You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. So go ahead and open up your Bibles if you have them. If you don't, just look at the screen or maybe you have an app on your phone. That's great also. The Philippians chapter 1, we're going to read 3 through 6. And this passage was actually, um, even though I've read this many, many, many times, when I was in high school, uh, my youth pastor who... um, literally saved my life, literally saved my life. Um, okay, you, you're asking me, how did he save your life? Okay, well, I, I had a great youth group, and our youth pastor took us on missions trips, and one of the missions trips we went to, all right, now hold your breath here, guys, because this is about to get real, is that we went to the Caribbean uh, as one of our missions trips, and no joke, we went to the island of Montserrat, and the only way you know about Montserrat is from the Beach Boys song, okay? Uh, some of you are like, oh, oh yeah, that Montego, where, baby, where do we go? Okay, all right, you guys are getting there. And so we went there because Hurricane Andrew came through and devastated that island, and we had some ministry partners on that island. And so we were going there to rebuild this um, church and do some ministry on the island there. I mean, hats off to my youth pastor. That was a knock-it-out-of-the-park mission trip. But we went... Um, snorkeling one day we were there. And I went out snorkeling, and I was a 16-year-old guy who I thought was, you know, immortal and could conquer the world. I was actually trained as a lifeguard, and here I am, you know, just thinking, I can, I can do this. So I go out around this cove while the tide is coming in. And I'm snorkeling, and I'm doing this. Well, I spent too much time around this cove, and by the time I decided to head back into the shore... It was far enough away that everybody looked like little tiny ants that the tide was moving out. And my energy was gone. And I was depleted. And I began to panic. And I knew even as a lifeguard, the first thing you do, you don't want to do when you feel like you're about to drown is panic. And so I started panicking. And I threw off my snorkel gear and my fins. And I'm like, I'm about to die. I'm like, Jesus, I must come see you here in this beautiful island of Montserrat. This is it. As a 16-year-old, receive me. And I I knew at that moment, I'm not kidding you guys. I I know you think it's funny, but I thought I was going to die. I didn't see anybody around me. I was waving my hands. Nobody saw me. I I knew I was gone. And out of nowhere, this youth pastor of mine miraculously appears in the water and pulls me over to a rock. And this rock had sea urchins on it, but I did not care that the fire was getting stung out of me. I was so glad. I couldn't even see that rock. I was so panicked. I was so freaked out. And he saved my life. And so we have an ongoing joke that he is my hero in the literal sense. He saved my life. But this same youth pastor gave me this passage when I graduated in Philippians 1, 6. And it says this, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the coming of Christ Jesus. And I remember receiving this this scripture, and I I held on to it. It came in the form of a keychain. And I put it on my keys, and I didn't care what my friends thought. I didn't care about, about my, my coolness at that, that time in my life. I, I, I stuck to this, and I began to ask the Lord, what does this mean? And, I, and this is what's beautiful about the Word of God is that it continually unfolds in our life. And what we see as we look at this passage, and we're going to unfold it a little bit more, is we see that God has a purpose 
in us, and he intends to fulfill. He will do everything necessary to fulfill that purpose in us. He is intent about bringing out the revelation of his goodness in us. He pursues us. He even chases us down. And that's good news for some of you today. In Philippians 1, 3-6, it says this, I thank my God every time I remember you. In all my prayers for all of you, I pray, all, I pray with joy. I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. This is Paul, the apostle, praying for the church in Philippi, to the believers there, and for every believer here who is called of God. And that's you this morning. You are called of God. Even if this is your first time to grace the doorstep of a church, I want you to know something, that you are called of God, that God has a beautiful design for you. But understanding that takes a little bit of knowledge from the Word of God and understanding His purpose The very first thing that we pull out from this scripture this morning is this. In order to fulfill the purposes of God inside of us, the first thing that we have to do is that we need to come to a place of joy in our life no matter what you are going through or where you are at. Paul says it like this. I pray with joy for you with joy always because of your partnership with the gospel Paul had joy when he prayed for the believers here in Philippi. And this is an important principle to fulfilling the purposes of God inside of us, is that we have to choose to be joyful. And our joy is not based on the circumstances of our life. Our joy is not based on the condition of where we might be right now. Our joy is based on the unrelenting love that our Father God has for us. Our joy is based on the unrelenting love that God has for us. And the reality about joy is this, is that joy is not attainable when we simply just look at the circumstances of our life. Things may be falling apart for you right now, but it does not change the fact that you are called to a purpose in God. It does not change the fact that God's hand is on you and that he is redeeming you for a purpose. But in order to see that purpose, you have to come to joy. So you have to look at something higher than your circumstances. What do you look at? You need to look at the word of God. You need to look at the word of God. And in order to receive joy from the Word of God, you have to understand the very nature of joy, and it's this, is that joy is not just a feeling. It's not dependent upon how you feel. It is not just an emotional sense of your peace. It is rooted in something much deeper, something that is grounded, something that is true. And when God commands us to come to joy and to be joyful, he's not just trying to give us a pep talk or just hype us up or just amp us up. He's settling us on the foundation of his word that is unshakable. 
And when we have to come to joy in difficult times in our life, we have to choose to look past both the circumstances and the emotions that are attached to our circumstances and look to something that is higher, where joy can firmly sit, and that is the Word of God. And we have to choose joy. We have to choose joy because of the truth of who God is. Listen to what James 1, 2 says this. Says, says, it says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Listen, that's not natural at all. That's actually really stupid. We don't want to consider joy when we're going through the hardest times of our life. We don't want it when we're being pressed. We're not like, yeah, this is a great time to be happy, isn't it? No. Most of us want to pull the covers over our head and just stay in bed. Most of us want to lament. Most of us want to feel agony. We want somebody to be equally unhappy with us. But God's word says something different. And it comes from a very important word that we read here in James chapter 1. And it's the very first word we read. It says, consider. Consider. And let me tell you what that word means and how you can have joy even when you're facing a very tough time in your life. And why it's anchored to the word of God. Because that word consider means this. Let it have authority. Account for the authority of something that is beyond your circumstances. And the only thing that is greater than your circumstances and allows you to have true joy is what God's promises say about you and the truth that he is intent on fulfilling his purpose in you. And so you have to anchor on the word of God. Consider means to take into account the authority of this. And so what are we making the authority in our life? It has to be the word of God. It has to be what God is calling us to. This is why Paul prayed with joy concerning the church in Philippi. Because he understood they were doing this very thing. Which brings me into the second thing on how God fulfills his purpose in us is that we have to partner with the truth that is higher than the circumstances of our life. Paul said it like this in Philippians chapter 1 in this opening statement here. He said, because of your partnership in the gospel, these were a people that had decided to agree with the truth of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. They decided, and I want you to hear this, because I'm not just throwing out a bunch of religious words in a batting order here for you to go, oh, okay, uh, agree, resurrection, Jesus, okay, that, that should be good. No, let, let me tell you what that means. Is that though they had not witnessed the resurrection, though they not, had not been there the day that Jesus was nailed to the cross and the day that the disciples found the empty tomb, and though they had not seen the resurrected Jesus Christ, and though they had not seen the ascension, because any time in the New Testament you hear the gospel, the gospel is Jesus Christ. It is the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What Paul is saying is that you choose to agree with the truth that the resurrected Jesus is alive in you. And see, here's the, here's the powerful truth with that, is that if the resurrection of Jesus Christ is alive in you, then anything that is dead must be dismissed. 
Anything that is not life-giving must go away. It dispels. There cannot be equal harmony between life and death within the nature of your understanding, your spirit. See, when the Holy Spirit comes in and the power of the resurrection begins to fill us, the things that were old and of the past, that were of death, of sin, that were decaying, they begin to be pushed out. And Paul said, you chose to partner with something that was greater than your circumstances of your life. And God invites us into this, this very powerful principle in our lives. This is how he leads us in victory every day in every area of our life. Let me ask you the question, do you live in the knowledge of the resurrection being alive in you? Because you can't see your purpose away from the resurrection. Trying to understand our purposes that God's called us to is basically just trying to live a good life. It's absent of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's absent of the grace of Jesus Christ. It's absent of the life-giving power of the resurrection. But when we begin to look at the power of the resurrection in our own life, what we begin to see is that God is able to simply do the impossible. But the thing about it that makes it work is this, is that we have to agree with it. We have to agree with it. God brings it to the doorstep of our life, and he invites us into this journey, but we have to agree with it. We have to say, yes, the power of the resurrection is alive in me. Yes, the power of the resurrection is working in me. Yes, the power of the resurrection is renewing my mind. Yes, the power of the resurrection is bringing me into a place in my life where the things that once I thought were impossible through Jesus Christ are now possible. Wow. When God calls us into his purposes, they are always beyond us. They're always bigger than us, and that's for a reason, because they must glorify Jesus Christ. It must glorify the purpose of the resurrection in us. It must display the authority of the resurrection through us. And so guess what? Every purpose that any person in this building has been called to is bigger than you. It's bigger than you. It should make you a little nervous. God could be speaking to you and pushing on your heart to do things that maybe make you nervous to step out on. Maybe it's simply talking to a coworker. Maybe it's making a new investment in your life. I'm not just talking about financially. That's, that's not even what I'm talking about. I'm talking about maybe it's a direction. Maybe some of you are looking and saying, look, I thought I was going one way and I keep hitting a wall, but I, I know that I'm supposed to turn and go this way. And the only way you're going to get there is by understanding that there is something greater in you, the power of the resurrection at work in you, that is going to give you the strength to get to where you are called to go. And this is what Paul is saying. You partnered with the gospel. You agreed with the gospel. You left your old way of thinking and you chose to trust in something greater than your circumstance. Another thing that this passage tells us and how God fulfills his purpose in us is it tells us this, that God has placed in us a reflection 
of himself to be displayed in a special way. God has placed a reflection of himself to be displayed in a special way. That question that Pastor Spud asked his kids this morning is a very, very, very important question. Because you are unique. And what is inside of you is unique and it makes you special. You're not a clone. You're not a robot. You've not been put in a cookie cutter relationship with Jesus Christ. But there is something that God has designed in you that is unique, that is special. And this often becomes a struggle that we face whenever we begin to think about the purpose of God in us. But we have to understand that that which is in us that is unique is important because it's going to meet a need. It's important because it's going to touch somebody's life. It's going to make a difference. And we understand and we begin to understand this uniqueness inside of us when we, when we look at a couple of things. We begin to understand that the gift of God in us matches who we are. What makes your heart beat? What makes your eyes tear up? What moves you? What do you talk about so much that your spouse says they're tired of hearing about it? <laughs> There's things my wife and I talk about. Can we just can we get honest for just a second? My wife has got like this wicked wild passion to make sure every child on this planet has shoes. It's the weirdest thing. When we packed those bags for Honduras, you guys remember that? And we told you all get shoes, that was because of her. Like they were like, they need school supplies. And she's like, and shoes. <laughs> and shoes. Get them shoes. <laughs> and sometimes those little things inside of us that begin to click and we begin to notice over the span of our life, and we wonder, why is that in us? Why does that make me move? Why does that compel me? And let me, let me just deviate from my message for a little bit to talk about this, because when we talk about the purpose of God, I want you all to slow down and just listen. Because as preachers, we do a disservice sometimes to you guys when we just shout out these big terms and throw it over you, and you say, well, how do I catch that and personalize that? How do I personalize purpose in me? And there's a very important word in the, in the Gospels that followed Jesus, that denoted his purpose, and it was the word compel. And compel is a human term. Compel is a human term. And over and over again in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the scriptures tell us that Jesus was compelled, and then he went, and he healed the sick. And he went, and he ministered in the power of the gospel. And then he went and he fed the multitudes. He was compelled. He was compelled. He was compelled. What was Jesus moving on? He was moving on the purpose by which he was called to this earth. He saw through the lens of his humanity the need to reconcile and he saw the brokenness of mankind. Matter of fact, Jesus referred to the brokenness 
in terms like they're sheep without a shepherd. They're broken, they're destitute. And through his humanity, he saw that. That's what made his heart beat. But through his divinity, he met the need. And here is the agreement and understanding your purpose. And I want you please to hear this as maybe just a key to understanding the uniqueness of who you are. When you begin to discover the things that naturally move you, the things that move you to do good, the things that make you, maybe they make you tear up. Maybe they make your heart beat a little faster. Maybe you see that and say, why haven't we figured this out yet? Why haven't we solved this issue? No matter where it is, it could be localized as your own home. It could be broader to your community. Or you could see something on a global nature. Whatever it is, that is probably a key to understanding your purpose. But the only way you're going to fulfill that purpose is not through the natural motivation of being compelled. You must be influenced by something greater. But you have to understand that there is a unique purpose in every one of you that is important because it will meet a need. It will heal a broken spirit. Don't try to be somebody else. Don't try to do what somebody else is doing. Don't try to model somebody else's life. You're not Mother Teresa. You're not Gandhi. You're not the Pope. You're not anybody good you've ever seen. You are you, and you are special. And when Paul releases this out, yes, he is talking to the church, but he is not just looking for this overall huge covering of the church. He's looking at each one of them and saying, that which God has put in you as an individual, he will fulfill and complete through his power until the coming of Jesus Christ. And I honestly couldn't say it any better than what Pastor Spud said. If you are struggling in this place, spend some time figuring out what makes your heart beat and then ask the Lord. You know, guys, listen, when, when, we just, when, we, when we brass taxed this idea of revival and what revival looks like and what transformation in our nation looks like, it really begins to have the foundational block begins to be set in place by people who understand their purpose and are compelled and filled with the power of the resurrection going and doing the things they're called to do. It begins to make a transformation. It begins to make a difference. You are unique. You are special. Ask the Lord what it is inside of you that makes you special. Find out what makes your heart beat, what makes you tick, and lock into that purpose and know that is what God is bringing about the full completion of. We see in this passage as well that it is the power of the Holy Spirit that fulfills that which God has called us to and purposed in us to do. One of the most beautiful illustrations of this comes in the book of Isaiah 64 verse 8. As we understand how God accomplishes the, 
our purpose in us, the purpose to which he's called us to. Yes, we have to identify the things inside of us that God's put in, in us that make us tick, but we have to absolutely rely upon the strength of the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 64, 8, it says this, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay, and you are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. And this is the beautiful understanding that we begin to blend into that which fulfills us is when we know the things we're called to, we don't set out in our own wisdom, in our own strength, in our own power, but yet we wait and we begin to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And in Isaiah 64, this beautiful picture of a master sculptor, sculptor coming and taking clay at the spinning wheel and holding in his hands this lump of clay that is just a mound. And as that wheel spins and as the master's hands touch it and begin to turn it into something beautiful, it turns into a beautiful jar that is capable to be both be filled and be of service. And this is what it means to trust the Holy Spirit for our strength. Let me also say this concerning the Holy Spirit's work inside of us to fulfill the purpose of God in us. And I hope this makes sense. And I want to encourage some of you this morning because some of you say, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying and, and I like what you're saying, but you don't know where I am right now. I'm in a terribly weak place. I'm in a terribly broken place. I feel like a broken vessel. I feel like God needs to repair me. And can I just, in grace, gently put this out to you this morning, that God is so great and so good and so big that he is both able to heal you and mend you and put his purpose inside of you at the same time. Let me show you what the scripture says. In 2 Corinthians 12, 9, he said, it says this, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. And let me give you just a smidge of context because this is Paul talking again. And Paul is actually giving a resume that is of no value to the Corinth people. And he's saying to them, listen, I've done all these things in my own strength. I became a scholar. I became a rabbi. I was trained. I was actually somebody who was so educated in the field I was that I was considered to be in the very top. But I want to tell you something. I realized something, that none of that was bringing me to the purpose because my purpose was actually understood when God knocked me off of a donkey and grabbed a hold of me and called me into this place of understanding his purpose. And when that happened, I realized that I was broken and I was frail and I was unable to do that which God had called me to. I found myself weak, but I did not stay in that weak place because I understood that in my greatest weakness, the grace of God shows up the very best. That in my place of weakness, in my place of brokenness, in my place of inability, in my place of failure, and this is something where grace is extended to every person in this room right now in the name of Jesus, that even in your failure, 
even when you fall short, the grace of God is able to pick you up, to clean you up. But the purpose of God never stops in your life. And Paul says, I, f- I understood this, that his grace is sufficient for me. His power is made perfect in my weakness. And then Paul's final part of this scripture in Philippians 1, he simply says this, that God seals this unrelenting truth of fulfilling his purpose in us by himself. Let me explain to you what that means. He seals it in himself. He gives a very important bookend that he wanted the church in Philippi to understand that God is going to complete this until the coming of Jesus Christ. This is what Paul is saying. That the God who called you through the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the one who secured it in the resurrection, is going to continue to make it perfect in you until the coming of the Son, Jesus Christ. He promised it on Himself and He swears it on Himself. And when we agree with the truth of what God is calling us to, we are secured in that place. What what must we do to get there? As we wrap this up, what do we need to do? If we can grab some, some quick takeaways. First thing that we have to do is we have to deny the lie. Deny the lie. Deny the lie that you are not called. You are called. You are unique. You are precious. You are chosen. Deny the lie that anything in your past is greater than the purpose of God in you. There's not anything that you've been through or any pothole or pitfall that you've fallen into by your own doing that is greater than the grace and the purpose of God in your life. Deny the lie that you're not special to God. Deny the lie that you're just, you fall in the background. That your life is just mundane. Deny that lie. Because anytime we fall into that trap, it's not humility that we're using. It's not we're, that we're standing on humility. That's, that's not what humility is. Is that we're actually denying the power of God in our life. You are special. You are important to God. Deny the lie that you do not have something to give. You do have something to give. No matter where you are in your journey, you have something to give that somebody needs right now. The second thing is this, is that you must surrender to the joy of the Lord. Ask the Father to fill you with His supernatural joy. Allow the joy of God to bring you to new levels of freedom in your life. Maybe there's something that you've held on to in the back corner of your heart that nobody knows about, but it's bringing you anxiety. And it's causing you pain, and it's got you locked up 
When you begin to ask the Lord for joy, his supernatural joy, he's going to give you the ability to surrender that part of your life to him. And you're going to come into a new place of freedom that you've never experienced before. And you need to be in a place of freedom in order to understand the purpose that God has called you to be. Go to the word of God with joy. Look at every promise in God's word as a promise for yourself. And finally, give what you have, even if it's just a little. Give what you have. Begin to share what's inside of you. Begin to step out. Some of you this week, maybe it's a good challenge to have to just take a little bit Match up that thing that you feel compelled to. And ask the Holy Spirit for a little bit of boldness. And begin to step out and just give. Give something. Give something that's going to bring life. Don't, don't believe the lie that you don't have anything to give. Well, I don't, I don't know enough of the Bible. That's, I can't tell you how many people come to me and say that. I don't know enough of the Bible. Do you know what Jesus did in your life? Do you know how he set you free? Are you beginning to understand the things that he's called you to? Then begin to step out in that. Get in the word, of course. I'm not telling you not to get in the word. But begin to, to give of your life, even the little that you have. Amen. Can I pray for you? Father, I thank you this morning that you are intent on bringing about the purposes of God inside of us. Lord, for every person here, Holy Spirit, I pray that you begin to speak to them. That you begin to show them the uniqueness of how you've called them, the uniqueness of their purpose, the purpose of God inside of them. Lord, some of these folks are sitting in the place where you called them right now. I pray that you begin just to encourage them with greater and greater strength to step out in, a, in, in more joy and more boldness to live out their purpose for you, Jesus. Lord, for the folks that maybe may be struggling to understand or they may be dealing with condemnation, Holy Spirit, break all condemnation off of hearts right now. And let our ears and our eyes and our heart be open to understand the, the depth of your love that helps us to know your purpose and your calling inside of us. Father, I pray for your grace to fill, Lord, every person here with an understanding, God, that the things that you've called us to, that you are intent on fulfilling, that you have sworn upon yourself, that you have deposited in us, and that you have sworn upon yourself from the resurrection to the return, that you are working those things in us, that you are filling us with the strength, with the power, with the understanding, with the resource that we need to do what you've called us to do. All, all for the purpose of showing those around us the power of the resurrection and glorifying the Son, Jesus Christ. I thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving us that grace today through your word. 
We receive it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Just stand to your feet, please. Thank you for being here this morning. I could just have maybe a ministry team or two come on up. Is April with you, Michael? This morning, if you have any needs, if you have anything that that is that you're walking through, that we can pray with you this morning and come into agreement and believe and believe that Jesus is able, that Jesus is able. This morning, if you've never committed your life to Jesus Christ and you need to take that first step, this morning, believe in Jesus Christ. Believe that at the cross he is the one who covered your sin. Ask Him to come and cleanse you from your sin, to be the Lord and Savior of your life. If you need prayer for your physical body, if you need prayer for your marriage, if you need prayer for your life, you need somebody to come in agreement, we want to pray with you this morning because we believe God is able to do that. If you even need prayer to say, look, I want some strength to begin to walk in my purpose and the things that God's called me to, we want to pray with you this morning. Amen? Amen. Let me just bless you, Father. I thank you in the name of Jesus for your blessing over every person. Let your grace and your mercy cover every person, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, come up and see us. We love you so much. Thank you for being here today. We look forward to seeing you at the park on Wednesday.